Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back for another week, and we leave the monkeys in 1960, well, 1996 behind, and we move back to 1987, but to something a little more in line with what we usually do here on the show. How are you, my friend? Uh, very good. I had a uh, very brief bout with a uh, cold, but it seems to have come and went in just a few days. So uh, I might sound a little bit nasally, but uh, I, I feel fine and uh, didn't want to put off this uh, very interesting and timely discussion, being that we're uh, mere days away from Halloween. Yeah, timely. And, and, and uh, speaking of things coming and going, much like this band, Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. Now, why the hell did I pick this? I'll explain momentarily i just wanted to talk to you about some of the new stuff that's come out and also something that's not so new that i heard which was really interesting so let's let's get to that and then we'll get to uh the main event shall we um first thing i heard was this italian band called avelion i don't know where the hell this well i guess it was italy but the reality is they came out with a single called alone in time and it was like that perfect blend of prog metal and power metal which has been done a thousand times, but when it's done well, it still really hits the mark with me. And I heard this song. I honestly have no idea if they're coming out with an album or what, but this single came out about a week ago and I can't stop listening to it. It's really good. And if the upcoming album, whatever it might be, if, you know, if this is on it, I am going to give it a really good listen. Uh, I know I sent it to you. What did you think of this song? I liked it a lot. It, it reminded me of all things. It reminded me of like a blend of Threshold meets Sonata Artica, if you could imagine that. Um, I, I just thought this was really cool right up my alley. Just had a very um, a, a strong kind of melodic feel to it. Um, and I, I look forward to hearing what else uh, this band has to uh, has to offer because the song was really good. Liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I, I thought you might. Very accessible, but very technically sound just the same but the songwriting was really good and the singer's got some set of pipes so I'll, I'll post that song during the week so people can hear it i think it's definitely worth checking out um and something else that's worth checking out this one also kind of came out of left field i'd like to sh- give a shout out to sean the metal pigeon who had mentioned this on the latest episode of msr cast obviously those guys joined us during the monkeys episode um last week but there's a yeah, band. Has Sean forgiven us yet for that or no? I haven't heard much <laughs> from him this week, so I hope he's not too mad. But I want to thank him for this recommendation. There's a band out of Finland called Moonlight Sorcery. And the album title is rather stupid. It's called Hornlord of the Thorned Castle. Doesn't matter. The point being, I have never heard more accessible black metal in my life. Because much like... Children of Bodom is that perfect blend of power metal and kind of like death metal or melodic death metal. This is black metal meets power metal. And I have to hear your reaction to this band because I feel like if there's a black metal band out there that you would like, it's these guys. Because you can definitely hear the power metal and you definitely hear the melody, but with these ridiculous vocals over the top, which you can imagine what that sounds like. 
you got to check these guys out. I'll post a song from them as well during the week just because I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, monkeys notwithstanding, me and Sean tend to have pretty similar uh, interests uh, music-wise, so I'll definitely give that uh, a, a listen. That um, that description definitely uh, makes me curious at the at the very least. I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that this might be your new favorite and perhaps only favorite black metal band. So we'll we'll give that a shot. And then another track that I actually did send you this week, and this is not new, but I'll tell a little story behind it. Um, I went to see Tesseract last week, and before the show, I went to a metal bar not far from my office, and they were playing all sorts of music. And, and from the time I walked in, I kind of had a feeling as to what this particular bartender was playing, and it was it was a turned out it was like a gothic metal or a gothic rock um, playlist, because I walked in and they were playing Typo Negative. So I, I immediately knew what they were playing that night. And all of a sudden, this song comes on, and it was not the most complex thing I've ever heard by, by any stretch of the imagination, but there was something so infectious about like this melody that I just couldn't... I, had to, I, I put it on Shazam, and I had to find out what this band was. And I'll admit, it's a little repetitive, but the song just, I keep listening to it over and over again. And the song is called Rose of Flesh and Blood. And the band is out of Brazil. They're called Plastique Noir. I wound up picking up the album because I was so curious because this song came out in 2012. And the album Effects, which, you know, this album is on, like I said, came out over a dozen years ago or close to it. Really interesting stuff. I don't know that the rest of the album is as good as the one single, but this one song just captivated me. I'd never really heard anything like it. It was like typo negative, but with a, I don't know, meets like Depeche Mode or like 80s, like, I don't know, like 80s, like synth rock or something like that. It was really weird, but I loved it. And I sent it to you. What did you think? Because it's, it's like nothing I had ever heard. I dug it. It reminded me of kind of like a modern rock take on eighties new wave. And I love, that's a good, I love eighties new wave. I am such a fan. I'm like a late bloomer. I didn't really, it didn't really have any effect on me during the eighties, but years later I keep hearing more and more from that era. And I'm like, man, this is like, this is what would have been, had I been 10 years older, that would have been like my alternative, uh, you know, my 1994 would have happened in 1984. And yeah, when you weren't like, listening to Grim Reaper. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so really wild. Yeah, that that's that that was cool and it was nice. I mean, I've said it to you, you know, privately and I'll say it here. Um I've been kind of in a metal funk since since we came back from Prague Power and I think I just got a little bit burned out on the genre, um especially with so much prepping and and kind of maybe overdoing it a bit um, with the prepping. Um, And so like, I've kind of gone back to just listening to podcasts and, you know, I've I've been paying attention obviously to the albums that we're covering, but I mean, even two of the last, you know, a couple of podcasts haven't even been, you know, full on metal albums. Um, So my goal is next week or really uh, to those listening to this, it, it's Monday. So starting now uh, is to get back on track and, and start uh, listening to some of the newer stuff, especially, you know, I haven't heard the new Theocracy album yet. And, um, you know, there's a number of things I want to listen to. I just listened to the new uh, Secret Sphere single, uh, Confession. And man, this might be my favorite of the singles they've dropped so far. Um they're back with a vengeance with their uh, with their original singer back in the fold, and I'm excited to hear the, the full album "Blackened Heartbeat" uh, when it comes out later this year. But um, that and and the new Sonata Artica single "First in Line" I, I have been pretty much the extent of of non 1987 metal that I've listened to <laughs> uh, in the last few weeks, and uh, I was impressed with the new Sonata Artica single as well. I'm the, glad uh, you brought that up. Um... I, I, I wanted to talk about this because for my money, this new single is probably the best thing they've done in the last 20 years. I, I loved it. I couldn't believe that it sounded so fresh, but at the same time was so reminiscent of their older sound from those first two or three albums. Um, 
What a nice surprise this was. I thought these days were over, but they are back. And if the album is anything like this, um, I- I'm going to love it. It's just really, really well done. Yeah, I liked it too. I-, I don't know if I would say it's the best song they've done in 20 years, but um, it definitely is a sign of, of what could be. And it reminds me a bit of you know what they did when uh, their album Pariah's Child was released uh, a few years back. Let's see, that would be... Um, oh, I scrolled right past it. Uh, 2014, so almost 10 years ago. Um, that album was kind of like a throwback to their more power metal uh, kind of days. And I feel like, you know, they'd kind of... Starting with Unia, I feel like they kind of started to take a, a change, almost adding a little bit of uh, more progressive elements. And, and um, in, in recent times, it's almost become like an, I joked earlier, like it's like an easy listening version of power metal, which not everybody dislikes. I will say like, you know, um, it it has its moments. Uh, There's some songs I really like. Um, It doesn't always hit for me, but um, you know, Pariah's Child, I think, you know, songs like Cloud Factory and The Wolves Die Young, like, they really had a, uh, this really gave me a, a feeling of that old school Sonata vibe. So I'm wondering if that's where they're headed. Maybe every 10 years, they're just going to, like, put out, like, a full-on power metal album and then go back to their, their Michael Bolton uh, style. Um, <laughs> listen, I'll, I'll take listen, it. I, I, I don't mind Sonata Arctica's new style. In fact, I kind of like some of their more recent stuff a bit more than that Unia days of Grey's uh, stones grow her name kind of era. Um, but you know, different strokes are different folks, but th- this track is really, um, really good. And I think it, it gives um, the power metal folks, uh, you know, something to look forward to if this is in fact a sign of, of what the rest of the album is going to sound like. Here's hoping. Um, I don't, mind all of the new sonata but i just don't crave it like i did that old stuff um i remember when we when we you know when we discussed their you know first i think couple of albums here on the podcast it is just ripe with with great and i'm not talking about good but great material and you know they've set this high watermark that it makes it very hard to live up to but uh like i said certainly a step in the right direction i hope this is a sign of things to come and, uh, you know, like I said, just a really pleasant surprise, which I was just not expecting. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how the rest of it goes. But, uh, boy, I, they have become quite the the polarizing band in, in, their, uh, in the last, you know, uh, like almost two decades now, it feels like. Almost, uh, you know, what's, you know... Uh, Reckoning Night came out in 2004, and I feel like that was like the last like really full blown power metal album that the band released. So, and I would even argue that that album you started seeing some like chinks in the armor type of thing. But again, a story I suppose for another day, and certainly would be an interesting album to discuss in long form. Um, before we get to uh, some Grim Reaper. And, and, and my rationale for picking this, because this was one of the most random picks I think I've ever had. Um, just want to give a shout out to our Patreon members. Thank you all for your support. If anybody is new to the show and there are you know new listeners all the time, consider joining our Patreon. It really does help support the show. There's also a number of cool perks, bonus episodes, uh, monthly chats with the guys, etc. And And perhaps most fun, you get to make requests and we cover them. Uh, the first Monday of each month. So do consider joining the Patreon and thank you all for your support. Um, let me let before I even talk about why I picked this album, have you ever heard of this band or is this like completely out of left field? Because we literally are going back to Rocky to Hell, an album that came out September of 1987. So what, over 35 years ago at this point. Uh, you know, I definitely heard of the band name. Like, you know, I knew that they existed, but I mean, I other than maybe just happening to see them on Beavis and Butthead, which apparently they were featured on Beavis and Butthead three times, uh, three different songs. Um, I just had no clue what to expect. I was really expecting something 
more along the lines of like a grave digger and and I was just basing that on nothing but the name of the band alone. The That's name it. of the band and the cover art. <laughs> and you're like, this is gonna be a grave digger ripoff. Um so let me let me kind of give you some backstory here. Years ago, gotta be over a decade ago, I heard some Iron Maiden tribute album and one of the songs was by a guy named Steve Grimmett. And Steve Grimmett had sang a version of Number of the Beast. And I was blown away, not so much by the cover. I thought the cover was fine, but this guy's vocals. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And how does he sing so well? And then, of course, I didn't, you know, I got, you know, sidetracked and I never really looked him up. And then, sure enough, I saw something on Blabbermouth like well over a year ago talking about how Steve Grimmett had passed away. Um, and he had been sick for some time, but it, last August he, he had passed away. And even then I just, I kind of looked at his backstory. I saw that he was the singer for this band called Grim Reaper in the eighties. And he would go on to front some other bands and whatnot, which, you know, uh, like Onslaught and Lion's Heart. And that would start in like the late eighties and into the, you know, well into the two thousands, but I never really gave any of his older quote unquote classic material a good listen. But at the same time, I'm saying to myself, number one, it's Halloween month. This has been a bit of a wacky month at the metal exchange. So Grim Reaper certainly fits the bill. And by the same token, Grim Reaper, I'm saying to myself, um, you know, like just something a little bit different, certainly fits the Halloween theme and, and obviously love the one cover. It's time to check these guys out because I'd never heard a single song by the band. So I decided to go with their third release um, from their trilogy that were made in the 80s, by, regarded by many as perhaps their best album, and just kind of went, dove right in and figured like, what the hell, we'll do something different, something I haven't heard and something I was very confident you hadn't heard either. And, and that's kind of why we're here today. So I picked this random album. I hope you liked it. I did like it. I, I was... I liked it right away too. As soon as I popped it on, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be fun!" Like uh, it's, it's just my kind of jam. Just like really melodic and just upbeat, head banging, just good old fashioned heavy metal. I, I like this album a lot. Nice, and I and to be honest with you, I don't think I liked it as much as I hoped. <laughs> so I I actually have a little bit of a different opinion. I haven't shared that with you. I like the album. I don't think I love the album, but it certainly has some good stuff, and I'll I'll walk through that and. It wasn't like there was anything I hated. This wasn't um, me eviscerating a monkey's track or anything like that. But at the same time, um, I just thought there was a little bit of a sameness to some of the stuff, although each song does sound separate and apart from from, from the rest. Um, I don't know. It was it was good. I liked it. I don't know that I loved it, but I it was certainly an enjoyable listen. You know, there was one t- track that I thought for sure was a steel panther song but uh we'll, oh we'll get we're gonna that. get there <laughs> i have well trust me we're, we're gonna get there um and i have no doubt at all which one that is but um <laughs> we'll, we'll get there we'll get there so this album comes out in 1987 steve grimmett on vocals i was surprised to find out that although he had kind of penned a lot of the lyrics on the album he had nothing to do with the music he was literally just the singer uh it was guitarist nick bocott who really wrote for virtually the whole album, uh, Dave Wanklin on bass and Mark Simon on drums. And there's a lot of backing vocals in different spots. And sometimes it's a real hit for me and other times it was a bit of a miss. But ironically enough, it wasn't the band themselves that were doing the backing vocals. They brought in two guest ma- magi- magicians, yes, two guest ma- musicians to do the backing vocals. Easy for you name, to say. Yeah, exactly. Nibby Gibson and Deke Kandarian. Never to be heard from again, I guess. But uh, yeah, so these they bring in these two guys to do the backing vocals, and that's um, that's where we're that's where we are. Um, I guess N- Nibby Gibson didn't have quite the uh, fanfare that Debbie Gibson would have around the same time, huh? Yeah, apparently not. Um, it would Nibby, Nibby might have been like the long lost um, little brother that just unfortunately never never quite broke through with Grim Reaper. Nibby, back you've in changed again. <laughs> um, did did you? You know, obviously we'll go song by song, but was there anything in particular that this band reminded you of in terms of influences or other bands? I'm I'm kind of curious. Um, the vocals gave me a bit of a Dio vibe in in spots. Um, 
in my research, I found that this band was kind of lumped into the the new wave of British heavy metal movement, and I didn't really find it to be super. It didn't really remind me a ton of Iron Maiden, if if I'm being honest. I think it's a little bit more in that. Um, it's got more of like an upbeat, faster paced hair metal kind of vibe to me. Like if I didn't know any better, I would have guessed they were actually an American band and not a band from the UK. Um, but that was just my kind of take on it. It just kind of felt like it fit in pretty nicely with the U S eighties kind of glam metal scene. Um, that was kind of my vibe. I don't know that there was a band in particular that they reminded me of, but, um, then again, like that era is not exactly my, my, uh, top milieu. So, um, maybe you have a better comparison. I think the earlier albums might've been more in that, new wave of British heavy metal style. But I think that by the time they got to this album, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of like a hair metal vibe to it, but more of like just heavy metal, not just hair metal. Like it's, it's not an album that you would say is um, dying to get on the radio. Like there's some blistering guitar solos here and some of the riffs are pretty chunky. They're not like, um, you know, bubblegum pop, you know, metal or something like that. So, but I will say that there's, there is Definitely, in my opinion, some Judas Priest here. I don't see, I don't hear the Maiden so much, but I in the riffs, I definitely hear some Judas Priest worship, um, and it reminded me a lot of of them in certain spots. I'll, I'll get to, but yeah, this is uh, really interesting because not only was this album just kind of like there, and then the band would just dissipate for for many, many, many years. They would ultimately get back together. I think they would do some shows in around 2010 or so, and I think they even created another album after this. Um, Back in, well, I guess it was 2016 called Walking in the Shadows. I've not heard that. Um, quite frankly, I don't even remember any fanfare for that. But um, alas, here we are. Um, nine tracks, clocks in it about 37 or so minutes. And um, it was one of those things which is interesting because even though they were a, a, a band from the UK, they went all the way to Massachusetts to record this thing, which I found to be just really bizarre and, and kind of out of left field with all the different um, places they could go. They had Max Norman mix, uh, mix this thing at Atlantic Studios in New York City, but it was recorded in Massachusetts. So go figure, right? Uh, sounds random enough at the the Longview Farm uh, in Famous North studio. Brookfield, Massachusetts. Is that where Green Day uh, recorded? Duke, <laughs> perhaps? Um, why, um, why go to Abbey Road when you could go to Longview Farm, right? I know. I mean, who knows? Maybe, the, maybe they just had really good lobster rolls. <laughs> um all right so let's let's get into this thing um the the album starts with the big single if you will from this album and it was a song not only on beavis and butthead but it was a song that was in heavy rotation on mtv especially on like the headbangers ball uh rock you to hell the the title track i i think that that first scream really kind of sets the tone it is a cheesy tune but the vocals really are fantastic and this guy had some set of pipes um and the two words i think that come to mind are powerful and melodic but not only just in terms of the vocal stylings but the song itself um the verses are a bit straightforward i think but if you're looking for that 80s metal vibe i think you could do a lot worse the backing vocals are really cool and they i think stand out a lot on this particular track you can see why it was chosen for a music video i think um I think the chorus, in my opinion, a bit repetitive, uh, but the bridge was cool, and so was the guitar solo. So I think it's a little bit paint-by-numbers for the time. One of my least favorite tracks on the album, as a matter of fact, but certainly a good enough song. Yeah, I think it's a great way to kick things off. It's got that anthemic kind of 80s heavy metal feel to it, and I think it's just a great way to kick things off. I, I like this song probably a bit more than than you did, and you know, I agree, it's, it's, it's a tad bit repetitive but you know these songs don't i don't think there's one song that even exceeds the five minute mark this is a really um easily digestible album like you said it's 37 minutes long nine tracks like just in and out um i just uh, i just felt like this song kind of was a perfect like uh i don't know what the, the word i'm looking for here is but it, it kind of um I think just sets the tone for what the next, you know, 35 or so minutes is going to be like, um, you know, just a really 
fun. I think it's fun. I think this is fun heavy metal where you just bang your head and have a good time. And um, it, I don't know. It was really easily digestible for me. And it was. It's funny because there's been so many albums that we've talked about where like I would listen to it like five or six times and be like, like something come to me like what's my song of the week like all this like my i had my song of the week pegged in like day two like uh, this wow this one was just just really easy to to digest maybe it's because i wasn't listening to much of anything else and so i could really focus on it but um it was it was just uh really enjoyable and and uh i don't want to like overdo it because when i give my score at the end it's probably not gonna be as high as <laughs> making it sound but um i Is guess I was 9.75 just, coming for this thing no. yeah i was just was surprised because again it's like you know a band i wasn't really familiar with and i didn't know any songs by so kind of hit you know it took me by surprise especially since i was you know expecting something a little bit um a little bit deathier i guess just based on the album art and the name of the band yeah it's um it was a surprise to me as well, but then knowing the little bit I knew about Steve Grimmett, I just knew that it couldn't be that aggressive because it just doesn't fit his vocal stylings. But God, this guy's got some set of pipes. Um, it's 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 interesting, and you can kind of see why they opened up for Anthrax and Halloween opened for them on that same U.S. tour back in '87 during the Keeper One days. It's kind of a cool bill. Now, obviously, I know that Anthrax is not your favorite band, although I'm sure that at that's the time... That's just a rumor. That's what I've heard. Um, but it's kind of an interesting tour when you think about all three bands with Halloween opening for Grim Reaper, opening for Anthrax. Wish you could kind of go back in time and see all these bands, you know, 35 years ago. Oh, my God. Absolutely. That's a that's a really cool uh, lineup of... I'm sure there's a lot of lineups that would make my head spin from that era. Um, there's still lineups in Europe that make my head spin nowadays. Uh, fair, fair point. I just, I, I saw that Stradivarius is touring with Sonata Artica and that kind of like was like reminded me of back in the late or the early 2000s when they toured together with Rhapsody. Like, and I was just like, you know, jaw dropped because, you know, none of those bands had ever even played a show in the States at that point. So I was just like, damn, Europe's so lucky. And then, you know, Prague Power came along and, and kind of changed the game here in this country. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just uh, it's cool. It's cool to to see. I mean, when you really dig into an album by each of those three bands, you realize how very different they are from one another. But yet, it would be probably a lot of fun to see all three of them on the same bill. For sure. Although I do think that there's you know some elements of power metal on this album with like the double bass drum and everything Absolutely. else. And and what the real outlier on that bill was Anthrax, if anything, because they were still do you know they were you know neck deep in thrash at that point as as they always have been, and that to me is kind of the outlier of the sound. Like I think that Grim Reaper and Halloween sound a lot more similar than either one of them do to Anthrax. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I think there were a lot of um, power metal elements on this album, and that uh, you know obviously would explain why I gravitated towards it. For sure, for sure. Um, we get to the second track, Night of the Vampire. And what's interesting here was like this thing kind of sorts off with this like guitar noodling and then this scream, which just kind of like hits you like a ton of bricks. And again, the vocals here are, 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 are just something to behold. I actually like this song quite a bit better. It was a little less vanilla, even though I think the pacing was somewhat similar and i love the sound of the bass on this thing the bass lines on this song were ridiculous and i have to say pretty good production for 1987 like doesn't sound like a manowar album recorded in somebody's basement there's there's some really good production here and i I think that the lyrics on on a track like this are ridiculous and i think that ironically it's not the most ridiculous but it's the lyrics are a bit ridiculous but i just liked the way that it was produced i thought it was a nice full sound that came out of both channels when you listen to it with headphones and a really slick sounding guitar solo there was a lot to like about this track and my one knock i guess would be the chorus i thought it was a bit cheesy just repeating the name of the uh you know the the title of the track and stuff like that over and over with with some other stuff thrown in but all in all a good track and even better than the first, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I, I think I prefer the first one actually to this okay. one, but uh, not by a lot. Uh, another really good tune, just uh, catchy with you. Chorus, I don't think is that. I don't think the chorus is as catchy as Rocky to Hell, which has more of a 
a you know a metal anthem kind of throw your fist in the air but um this is this is another solid tune too a little bit shorter um but uh yeah you mentioned that um that opening scream like i love that it starts out low and then it just gets higher and higher and higher like it's yeah i love that i mean if you you know if you got it you know flaunt it if you got it as they say and uh Steve Grimmett certainly has the pipes and he shows them off here. I, I, I'm curious how, if he was able to pull it off uh, just as well live, but um, yeah, another, another really cool tune. I, I, um, I was, I was definitely get, uh, at a two for two. Um, even the first time listening to this, I was just like, yeah, this is, uh, this is really, this is really good stuff. I'm enjoying this. I had the same thoughts about the live show and I was really curious if this was studio magic or if this guy could actually pull it off live. If he could, my God, I mean, some of these notes are just ridiculous and he holds them for so long. It's not like it's, you know, just in and out. I mean, he just holds these notes. It's, it's rather incredible. Um, also to but- your point about the production, this, uh, this album was released on the same label in the same year as keeper of the seven keys part one. Um, and I would argue that this actually sounds considerably better uh, production-wise yeah, than, than I agree. Keeper 1. Totally agree with that. But now I guess it explains why they went out on tour together. So a lot of this yeah. is uh, coming together. Talk to me a little bit about Lust for Freedom, the third track on this. One of the longer tracks, almost four and a half minutes. Yeah, this one, it feels like they kind of bring the tempo down a little bit compared to the first two songs. Yeah. The, um, the opening, the way that it opens up with like the heavy drums and guitar riff reminded me a bit of, um, Judas Priest that had kind of like a, you've got another thing coming vibe to totally it. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Um, but I kind of like that, um, it's a little bit slower and it has a little bit more of a mid paced kind of, um, vibe to it. Um, I, I think this is actually my favorite of the first three songs. You know something? I'm so happy you mentioned that because, I had the same exact thing in my notes. I said, you've got another thing coming, Judas Priest. That's what this reminded me of. And not only just the riff, but the pacing of the riff. Like the yeah, whole it's thing. got like that mid-tempo kind of chug that that exactly. song has. We are in complete agreement. Um, but I think that the, I think you needed a track like this after two tracks that had a very similar cadence to it. So really cool. I think it's... Not a revolutionary track by any means, but I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a good tune, and I think that the verses are catchy as hell. Some of the best verses on the album are in this particular song. Again, nothing that you probably haven't heard before by Judas Priest, but a good song. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I uh, I like. I definitely like this one uh, a lot, and, and it would only go up even you know, further as we move along, because, uh, when heaven comes down is the fourth track. It's my song of the week. I thought this song was an absolute banger. And the first time I heard it, I was like, Oh hell yes. Like just, it it just kicks off with this, you know, fast paced guitar riff, the vocals kick in, man, this is just, this has me written all over it. Absolutely love this track. So why don't we give it a listen? And then I'm curious to see if you felt, uh, similarly, uh, when we get back. you'll uh, indulge me for a moment, I just want to read a couple of lines from my notes. Quote, a faster tune, definitely a power metal vibe. I bet Chris likes this one. And then I go in from there because I said to myself, this is this to me is like the most power metal tune on the album. It's the kind of song that when you roll down the windows, you want to turn it up a little bit louder when you're in the car. And it just has this 
these riffs that kind of drive this thing along with the drums and a really cool chorus. And I like how the key changes throughout kind of keep it fresh. I'm really glad that you picked this. Um, the, by the way, I should say that vocal note at the end of this song, and it seems like there's one on every, on, on every, on every song, but here it's at the end. What a way to go out. It's just unbelievable. I'm glad you picked this because this was a song of the week candidate for me, certainly solidifying my, my other choice, which um, we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, this is a really good tune, and I can certainly see why you'd gravitate towards it. Yeah, I, it's. I think it has the best chorus in on the whole album. Um, the solos are awesome. Like everything about it is just. Uh, it was just a really easy choice for me, and and that and that's saying something because I really kind of liked everything else on the album, but this one really stuck out to me. There's a couple other ones that were that are still to come that were um, up there probably number two and number three uh, for me. And I'll point them out as we get to them, but this is the big uh, winner for me. I'm really curious to see what song uh, you choose going forward. But um, yeah, this is a, this is a good one. I toyed with picking suck it and see. Now let me, let me explain if the lyrics weren't so cringeworthy and ridiculous, I might've chosen it because I thought that the song itself had this like, finger-snapping quality to the cadence and to the way it's presented, that it's really, really, really catchy. Um, it's actually one of my favorite songs on the album. Well, is- listen, before you continue, okay. uh, I'm going to I'm gonna read something to you that maybe changes your opinion about the, the lyrical content. Um, so uh, have you heard of the band Ar- The Arctic Monkeys? Yes, I've heard of them, but I'm not no, familiar with the band. Not no relation to the regular monkeys, but um, <laughs> so the Arctic Monkeys um, have an, an album called Suck It and See, and it came out in June of 2011. And, huh. um, the album's title, which is a British phrase meaning give it a try, was viewed as provocative in the United States due to being misinterpreted as referencing fellatio and wow. was subsequently censored in some locations. So it's possible that this is not as as lurid as uh, it might sound to our American ears as the band had uh, ha- had you know had in- intended will you indulge me as I read some of the lyrics to you sure this lady in black came to me and she said would you like to come home to my room I resisted all temptation but I took her invitation I hope that she don't make me fall too soon Chris I don't think that this is about anything else other than what we think it's about. I mean, I appreciate the attempt. And if you were arguing this before me in a courtroom, I would say that's a very, very good, you know, good bit of research yeah, but there. See, but the lyrics also are saying that she said, suck it and see, which just seems a she little did odd. See, ah, see, that is a good argument, my friend. She did say hey, that's that. a semester of law school for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, here at the Metal Exchange, you get seven semesters of law school. So for whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> for the, for you know. the price of none. <laughs> <laughs> but no, kidding aside, you make a very good point. But yeah, when I heard this song, I mean, I obviously, I'm like, oh, this it, is. It, it sounded like, a, it sounded like a, a Steel Panther song, right? A right 100%. But that being said, the song itself was great. And I really liked it. And if the lyrics weren't as absurd as they were, I might have picked it for my song of the week um there's such a contrast between the verses and the chorus both of which i like a lot um but i'll be honest as soon as this came on in the car i had my kids in the back i turned it off because i'm like i can't play this uh I literally i'm like and i just did one of these like fast and i put on the radio i had to get it off i couldn't believe it because he just over and over again i mean like there's not much left to the imagination except apparently i was wrong with what this thing might have meant well, I mean, it, it doesn't hit you over the head quite as much as, you know, fucked with an anchor, but, uh, you know. What does? You know, <laughs> it depends on, I guess, how uh, how vivid your imagination is, but um, I, I agree with you. It is it is a solid song, although, like, it's kind of hard to take, take it seriously when uh, that's the title. But, again, you know, uh, apparently it is a, a, a British idiom that I had just had never heard before. And what I – fair enough – it's only about two and a half minutes long. So they were smart not to drag this one out because I don't know that if this was five minutes, I would have been into it, but it's a short little song, but it's, I liked it. And a really interesting way to kind of close out side a of the album. 
Well, if someone's going to suck it and see, you kind of hope that it'll be over in about two and a half minutes anyway. So. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get, to, let's get to slide two, shall we? What was that? I hope your, your kids don't listen to the podcast either, I hope. <laughs> Not anymore. So we got that going for us. But let's, go, let's get to Rock Me Till I Die, the sixth track. This kicks off side two of the album. And what's interesting is... You're going to think I'm crazy, but just close your eyes for a second. If they played this song live in 1987, is it possible that this is where Kids of the Century came from? Oh, my God, yes. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like Kids of the Century. So I'm not crazy. It's a really great intro at the very beginning, and I'm saying to myself, Halloween clearly ripped it off from this song. I mean, like, there's no doubt in my mind. It's pretty pretty similar, yeah. I, I definitely heard that, too. And it was only five years later that that Pink Bubbles would come out, so... You know, Grim Reaper went by the wayside. I guess Halloween thought they weren't going to get sued, and alas, Kids of the Century was born. Well, now that being said, notes. yeah, <laughs> as good as the, as good as the intro was, as as a, as, a, as it harkened to, to some Halloween, the song itself was a miss for me. I, I thought it was a bit mundane. It's faster, but it's just not that memorable. And and I didn't love the backing vocals during the chorus. Again, not terrible. It's just kind of like the epitome of average to me it was just average and repetitive and i would rather not listen to this compared to some of the others yeah it's 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 arguably my least favorite song on the yeah, album um we agree. it's kind of weird it's like that you kind of get with these older albums we talk a lot about like you know side a side b and this would be the first track on side b on, on a vinyl or a cassette version and it, it just it kind of you know you kind of want that first track after you flip the record over to, to kind of uh really pull you in but I, I feel like the, the the last three songs were a lot stronger than this one yeah i think we're in complete uh pretty much complete agreement there um for example the, some, the some, next- some wild high notes though i will say uh, if nothing else yeah i i think that's well said i again average although i think the singing is is quite good um but i think it gets better here like you'll wish that you were never born um it has this like theatric vibe at the beginning. It almost reminds me of like a cheesier King Diamond in a way, which is timely considering Abigail was coming out around the same time. Um, but the song itself, it's quite good. And, and like every time I hear it, I think it kind of grew on me a little bit. And and maybe I didn't remember it as much because of the placement on the album on the back half. But the vocals are great. And I got to be honest, I think it might be the best written song on the album. Like, I just think the construction of this song was really good. Not my favorite, but up there, a song that grew on me. And and again, I keep saying to myself, how is Steve Grimmett, like, not a household name with some of these vocal lines? I just don't quite understand why this band never got the love. And I don't understand why Beavis and Butthead gave them such a hard time because – there's some good stuff on this album. Again, it's not my album of the year. It wouldn't have been back then, but like enjoyable for sure. Well, Beavis and Butthead didn't really have anything nice to say about anybody. I mean, they panned That's King true. Diamond for Christ's sake. So That's I mean, true. there was very few things that uh, Beavis and Butthead would actually admit to liking because you know the whole point was that you know every they thought everything was stupid. But the truth was is that they were the ones that were stupid. So that's the that's the glory of the irony of the show. But um, yeah, I'm not looking to them for my uh, recommendations on uh, on metal. C C winger headlining prog power. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I really like these last three tracks and how the album kind of comes to a close. This is probably my least favorite of the last three, but it's definitely better than the previous track and. Um, I, I I agree. I feel like this could have probably been a, a radio hit if if they had you know kind of pushed for it. I just think it's a really uh, solid tune. But um, I think the last two tracks um, are even better. I think one of them is better. I don't think "Wasted Love" is better. But I'll let you start. Why Why did you enjoy this more? Because they spell "wasted" W A Y S T E D, and and nobody spells "wasted" that way. And that's why I gave them a demerit right off the start. The second I saw how this was spelled, I'm like, you already are digging yourself out of a hole. Oh man, Mister Pierce had way too much of an effect on your on your future uh, <laughs> opinion. On I, I like to see him just mess it up, like Vince. This is like Vince Russo style. Like when, they should have threw a Z in there somewhere just to really I'm shocked there wasn't. But um, yeah, why? Why? What? What about this song? Did you particularly enjoy? I think it just comes in like. 
you know, wheels of fire, just, um, cla- just classic eighties guitar riff, like heavy drums. Like I just, it, it kicks right in. And I think that the, uh, the chorus, even though it is a bit repetitive, it's really catchy. And so I don't really mind it that it's, uh, repetitive. I think this is a real banging tune. I think I like the last track, um, even a slight bit more. Um, but I like this one a lot. I had I had wasted love and I want more as my uh, number three and number two favorite songs on this album, and I I had both songs stuck in my head at different times uh, during the week. But this is um another one of those just kind of uh, fast paced bangers. But then towards the end, it kind of does like this this like kind of slow down part that's kind of like Motley Crue esque. Like yes. it has kind of a Motley Crue vibe kind of to it. Um, I can't think of what song off the top of my head, but like, you know, just like where, where it's just like this, just the drum beat and just like him almost like sing talking. Um, cool song, but um, I, I'm going to let you take the lead on, uh, on I want more, which I'm assuming is unless there's bonus tracks. I'm not aware of uh, this is, <laughs> is going to be your song of the week. It, it is, and I'm going to get to it in a second. I'll just say when it comes to Wasted Love, I think this is the one track you and I differ on considerably. I think I have it as my second worst song on the album. Again, I think we've been in line with pretty much everything else, but here, I didn't love the guitar solo. Um, I thought there was this one section toward that breakdown section you spoke about with just the vocals and the bass and the drums. I definitely hear the Motley Crue. I just think that Crue does it better. I thought it was a bit weak and kind of cheesy. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It just, for some reason, it missed it missed with me. Um, however, the last track, my song of the week, I Want More, this was a phenomenal track. And every time I listened to the album, I got excited when I got to hear the last song. It's the, it's the epic track, right? It's four minutes and a whopping 52 seconds, which is by their, by their accounts, a really long song. Um, let's give it a listen and then I'll kind of walk you through why I chose it. This is, uh, I want more from Grim Reaper. So that was Grim Reaper's I Want More, my song of the week. I loved the guitar solo at the start of this thing, and I think it was really upbeat, and it just kind of matched the bass line perfectly. Again, some of the most ridiculous high notes you'll ever hear um, from, from Steve Grimmett during these verses. Phenomenal job. A really, really simple but effective and catchy chorus. It had everything. I love the guitar solo during the outro as well. It's just one of those songs that from beginning to end I thought was really well done, really well constructed, and just struck like I, I have no complaints about the song. It was I don't know that it's my the best song that I've ever heard, but I just looked forward to it each and every time that I listened to the album. And like I said, it was, I think that between the two of us, we really did hit the two songs that I would have chosen, whether it was this or when heaven comes down. So, you know, all in all a nine track album whereby I think we're in complete agreement, except wasted love, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, this last track really is like all, what I love about just E style heavy metal. I think it's just done so well. And uh, you know, just that, memorable chorus with the backing vocalists like joining in and and uh just great stuff and um i'm kind of glad that we both agreed on our two favorite songs on the album and we could play a clip uh for, from each of them and uh 
yeah, it's not always, uh, doesn't always work out so, uh, so evenly. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that being said, where, where do you put this on a uh, scale of one to 10? It's a good question. Um, you know, when you're in the mood for eighties style metal, you could do a lot worse than this album, although it's not usually my go-to genre, but I enjoyed the album. I'd say it was probably like a 6.75, slightly above average, not quite seven territory, um, but slightly above average, and I enjoyed it. It's just not something I would say is going to go with me to a desert island or anything like that, but I'm really happy that I chose it. I'm glad you liked it too, and ultimately um, something I could see myself going back to or checking out more from this band. It was just a, an enjoyable easy listen which quite frankly i needed this week so i'm wondering if you were much higher or if um you're in about the same ballpark as i am i'm a bit higher i, I put it at a seven and a half um i just really there wasn't really anything not to like about it um it was just a very generally enjoyable experience and uh i, I came out of it with like which doesn't always happen sometimes i don't have like a really obvious song of the week choice and that that always is a good feeling when there's this one song that you really um feel like you you'll go back to and re- and listen to again and uh and that I definitely feel that way uh about my choice in um when heaven comes down uh, that's just a real banger so uh yeah this was really fun it, it's 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 fun when neither of us really know what the hell is going on and we could kind of go in with uh, a blind eye and 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 check out something that's new to us. So, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of that, you know, 80s style heavy metal, man, this is, uh, I feel you like do a lot is, worse. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is probably can't miss for, uh, and, for fans of that, you know, era. I want to just amend one thing I said earlier, they had come out with an album in 2016 called walking in the shadows. And they actually came out with an album shortly before, um, Steve Grimmett passed away called at the gates in 2019. Haven't heard either one, but I just wanted to amend that. And the band has had a million different, um, musicians throughout the years going back to their, um, origination, I guess in 1979. But, uh, Again, too many to get through. But yeah, a very good listen. And um, I'm very curious to hear about your album for next week. But before we get there, I just want to run through some quick news things that I thought were interesting. Um, Sons of Apollo, the super group featuring Billy Sheen, Mike Portnoy, Derek Sherinian, uh, Ron Bumblefoot Thal, and of course, Jeff Scott Soto on vocals has called it quits. Um Interesting because I thought that they had done pretty well and, you know, had done some, you know, pretty extensive world tours, but have decided to call it quits after what? Just two or three albums, two albums, I think. Um, so it's kudos to them. I'm sure they'll all be moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, another band that I don't know that we've ever really talked about on the show. We've talked about Bob Catley, but his band Magnum is coming out with their new album on January 12th. It's called Here Comes the Rain. Have you ever checked out any of that Magnum material that he's been on? No, it was one of those things where it's like I looked and saw how big the discography was because I absolutely love love Bob Catley's vocals. He's one of my favorite um, singers with Avantasia, but um, I I was just like, holy shit, like where do I even begin? And so I just got scared and ran away. But um, if somebody wants to maybe recommend something or maybe there's like a greatest hits album or something, I would be happy to hear it. But uh, my knowledge of that band is, is very minimal. We'll have to do one of their albums one of these days. But uh, you know what? No better time than the present. Maybe check out the new one when it comes out early next year. Yeah, yeah, not a bad call. Um, I actually have one quick thing I wanted to make mention of. I I don't know if this is a band that we've talked uh, much about, but um, it's a band called Exit Eden. They were a uh, four-woman fronted um, symphonic metal band um, that was – Included Marina La Taraka, Anna Bruner, Clementine Delani, and Amanda Somerville. Um, I wasn't sure if they were still like active, but they made an announcement earlier today that Amanda Somerville would be uh, no longer part of the project and that they would be going on. Uh, they would continue on without her, or I'm um, not without her, but with uh, without replacing her, and it'll just be the three ladies uh, going forward. But um, they released an album in 2017 called Rhapsodies in Black that had some really super cool 
covers, uh, particularly uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart, uh, which I really enjoyed their cover of. So uh, give it, a, check it out if you don't have a chance. Like four really excellent uh, vocalists. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Amanda Somerville talking about Avantasia. She's done a lot of work with them over the years. And, um, you know, she's married, or, or uh, I believe she's married to... Um, the uh, the mastermind from After Forever that we spoke to, um, uh, Sander Gomans. Um, yep. So, uh, it, so I guess uh, that she's you know wants to focus more on the, the, their family and whatnot, and you know uh, you could totally understand that. But uh, I was glad to hear that they were going to to continue because I thought that 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 one album that they released was really cool. Yeah, that's good news. I, I didn't realize that, but um, it's it's that was a cool album. There's some really interesting stuff on there. And I just figured it was a one and done. I didn't realize that they were going to continue um, with new stuff. So that'll be good to hear and definitely something to keep an eye out on for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if it's anything like that first album, that was a really cool, uh, a nice surprise. Um, and you know me, I love, I love just, I love female singers in metal. So that was a, a real, uh, that was a super group as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, and just one other thing for me, uh, Prod Power uh, band that's going to be playing next year, Dark Tranquility, has begun recording their new album. So not much to say other than it looks like it will be out at some point in 2024. Their last album, Moment, came out in 2020. God, I cannot believe it's been nearly four years. But uh, they're due for some new material. They are in the studio, and uh, I look forward to hearing that. Um, maybe another album we could consider doing on the show because you want to talk about a band with a massive discography. Dark Tranquility has a ton of albums, uh, but really, really good stuff, and I look forward to it. Yeah, don't worry. I have the uh, career retrospective ready to go for uh, right around June next year. So Nice. That'll be the entire month of June. That's how big that discography is. Um, but that brings us to uh, the end of the month, and I believe we have time for one more album before we get to our uh, November request. What are we listening to next week? You know, it really shouldn't come to too much of a surprise uh, because the the episode will be dropping on October 30th, the day before Halloween. And uh, I've pretty much had this penciled in for a while, but we're going to be talking about our next album in the Halloween uh, chronology. And that album happens to be Chameleon. And this might turn out to be the most interesting of all of our Halloween discussions. If you thought Pink Bubbles was a ride... um, I'm going to continue to make our way through the uh, Halloween discography uh, chronologically. And this was what was next. And since it's almost to the day on Halloween when the episode will drop, it just seemed uh, appropriate. So um, that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. It kind of fits with the the, the all over the place nature of this month (laughs) on the podcast. So I used to hate that album i've come around to some of it and some of it i still don't really understand but i will give it my fair shot and i look forward to coming back to circling you know to kind of speaking with you about it and you know we'll see i'm I'm sure some of my tastes have changed i can't tell you the last time i've listened to it but an interesting choice i look forward to it yeah and we'll definitely be hitting on all of the uh you know, B-sides and bonus material that was recorded at the, at the time. So this is going to be a pretty extensive, uh, discussion, but, um, you know, like I've said in the past, I kind of would hope that when it's all said and done, you could sit down and listen to all of our Halloween episodes and kind of do a march of time, so to speak, through the, uh, through the band's career. And, uh, it wasn't really that long ago that we did, uh, Pink Bubbles, but, um, I don't know. I just felt like uh, being that Halloween's around the corner. Um, you could probably in the future look forward to a Halloween episode being uh, dropped around Halloween and, you know, in years, years future. Um, and then after this, we'll start finally digging into the Andy Darris era. I mean, we did talk about Halloween's uh, newest album, which is kind of a, a reunion of sorts, but with the, you know, the, the, the current lineup, um, but we really ha- we haven't talked about an, a, a full on just Andy Darris uh, fronted album. So uh, you know, keep an ear an ear out for Master of the Rings probably at some point. You know, next year uh, in the first half of next year, if I had to take a guess, and then maybe we'll hit up uh, 
time of the oath around Halloween next year. So stuff to look forward to. Very nice. Very nice. Good choice. I think it will make for a very interesting chat to say the least uh thanks everyone again for listening give us a like and a follow if you think we deserve it it helps others find the show i am going to go listen to some chameleon i can't believe i'm saying that um you know it is what it is like i said every i have i have a comparison that i'm gonna make but i'm gonna wait until we talk next week and i think you'll appreciate it but uh this this album really got uh, going back to it has really got me thinking about some stuff and and it is it's just it, it's a ride <laughs> it's a ride I'm not gonna say whether it's a good ride or a bad ride or a dark ride but uh, <laughs> it's certainly a ride. Well, I look forward to it, my friend. Enjoy the week, and I will catch up with you soon. Take care, buddy.